Welcome to the Tiny Box Dialogues. This series was created to share the knowledge of our experts using real examples from real people with real stories. Yes. Welcome to Tiny Box Dialogues. Today I am turning the tables and I've asked Laura Kaika to interview me. Laura is a powerhouse who connects tech talent and entrepreneurs as a moderator and a trainer. Her focus is future of work and she loves to empower, mentor, and believes in lifelong learning like me. So she's the perfect interviewer for today, I would say. Hi, Laura, and over to you. Put me in the hot seat. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, I'm Laura. I used to work uh, in a lot of um, different positions, but mainly focusing on uh, people development, organization and development, especially in startups over the last five years. And uh, over such a network, I met Raj as well. So we saw each other after an evening where some people, some startups were pitching. And I'm honored to be here today to interview you, have the chance to get to know you a little bit better. And so today you're co-founder and CEO of Tiny Box Academy, Think Tank, for the adoption and implementation of emerging technologies. Tell us a little bit, how did you end up here with Tiny Box Academy? I know it seems so crazy to talk about technologies. I've spent many years in financial services and you know, moving to a city like Munich where I didn't know anybody, I had to meet them. And it all starts with traditions and community building, right? And then you move to the professional and the hosting and the moderating of events. But what happened for me is that uh, since I didn't know anybody in Munich, I just started going to all the events and I'm an introvert by nature. So having to put myself out there, forcing myself to be, put myself out there, I ended up at alumni events where I didn't even know people. I didn't even go to the school. I just went because somebody invited me. And what I've always done is try to build traditions and communities in every city I've ever lived in. So whether that's through, uh, you know, I even started a softball team once in Toronto just to, you know, connect people and have fun with them. Uh, I had a theater group, we had a dinner club, you know, things like that. So that naturally led into the professional side of things where I ended up moderating events because I love to put my network in the front and showcase them, which is why I started the dialogues. So of course, you know about the dialogues, you've been on one of them. And it's all about bringing people together to discuss ideas. So Tiny Box Think Tank takes everything to the next level. So it's communities and networks talking about ideas and innovations in this concept of a think tank. And you know, it's moved online uh, over the last couple of years because of the virtual, but I'm also starting to do events in person again. And what it's taught is that whether it's virtual or in person, the ability to connect is always there, right? It's always possible. Of course, it's nice in person because like you said in the evenings, having a drink is nice, but it's important. Um, yeah, that we get a chance to do that in person and virtually. Impressive uh, how you ended up being there. And we both know that networking is a thing and it's important, but sometimes I think people have as well the feeling that it's a little bit dirty, the word or a little Sally, or they they don't like it too much they don't feel feel the same as we perhaps see feel if we talk about networks and for me um, networks 
for example, as, as well, like alumni. So I went to university, I went on Erasmus. I think for me, it's something people coming together, shared the same experience and stay connected uh, because they're interested in that. How would you see it? I absolutely agree with you. And I think that you see it the way that it should be used. But what had happened when we had all these events in the last decades, you know, it all became about the people, you know, so you'd find that important person in the crowd and you try to sell to them, you know, and I think somewhere in there, it got lost that it's not about sales. It's about creating networks. And I always like to say it's the other worldwide net web, right? It's the other WWW, which is people. And people forget that it's just people and connecting with people. And it's not about selling ourselves and our time. It's about connecting with them on a level as a human to human. That's a network. That's who you want to network with. So networking should be that. And if it's not that, then that's the part where it gets dirty and useless and shouldn't really be used. <laughs> that's not what so much fun then. <laughs> yeah. So, so what would you normally do? Like if you try to empower networks? Mm -hmm. uh, well, like we just said, it's really about authentic and transparent relationship building, right? And the foundation of all that is trust. And I'm a very transparent person. I share everything. So I think there's a very deep bond of trust with people that I meet and I think that if you can find a common ground and discussing how you can help each other, then that's where the core value is. That's empowering networks, right? It's not about, hey, Laura, I saw that you were working in this company. Can you get me a job there or can you help me there? It's more about, hey, what can I do for you? You know what? I see that you love to do events. I know somebody who hosts an event. Why don't you come along and speak at that event, right? That's empowering a network and it comes back to you. It is always reciprocal. There's nothing worse though than being sold to by somebody who hasn't earned that trust yet. So, you know, in LinkedIn, you're familiar, um, you know, when you connect with somebody and you don't really know them and then the next message they send you is a sales message. That's the dirty networking we talked about before where you've made no offer to get to know me or trust me or build trust with me. So, you know, when I get a message from somebody that says, oh, I saw you do this and you love coffee, I'd love to grab a coffee and talk to you about this sometime. That's going to go a much longer way than, hey, connect with me because I want to sell you something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more about like building, building and, and something together, having a connection and perhaps having just meeting over a coffee because you're super empowered and interested in the same topic. And I think um, the last years we, we saw it everywhere, but people, it's not only about working and earning money, it's as well about the purpose. And this is getting bigger and bigger, talking about new work is like a big word out there, but um, what's driving us at work is, is changing. And um, this is as well, where social leadership is coming in, where, where would you see, where would um, you define yeah. it as fitting in? Well, do you know what? I think you're absolutely right, first of all, because of the last few years of the pandemic, we really got a lot of revelations about what company culture is actually like. I mean, we're seeing it still with people being forced back to work if they're not feeling comfortable. I'm really glad that there's this focus on culture and this culture analytics. That's my, that's my pet passion, right? Is what is your corporate culture and how are you enforcing it? Because we all talk the talk, but we don't all walk the walk, right? And one of the great things, like you said, is becoming more purpose-led. So now, you know, I heard this 
said a few times that millennials care where they work and they care about purpose and they want to work for something that means something. I don't think it's just millennials. I think everybody feels this way. It's just that now you can talk about it on social media platforms more readily, whereas before you didn't have the flexibility to change jobs, right? So when we talk about social leadership, to me, this is not just about using social media and thought leadership online. It's about social responsibility. Where do we actually hold ourselves accountable to societal issues that are happening around the world? It's social representation. What are your values and beliefs and how do they align to that social responsibility? And then of course, the social media on sharing that vision and sharing what you're actually caring about. The Edelman Trust Barometer came out this year and it showed that I think it was something like 89% of stakeholders expect businesses to lead on society issues, societal issues, whether that's economic growth, diversity, um, you know, like uh, environmental issues, they are expecting businesses to care about this too. So to me, that's purpose-led work, that's culture, that's social leadership, right? What do you care about? And you know, as well as I do, Laura, that the big thing right now is the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, right? And there is this theory behind it that if everybody just put themselves behind one to three of those goals, just one, two or three, then we would actually get somewhere, right? So that to me is social leadership. Choose one, get behind it, post about it, talk about it, help other people get behind it, right? That's purpose-led leadership. Yeah. And that's then as well, like thinking about perhaps you're, you're a leader of a company and you're looking for talents. I know being in recruiting on the startup side, there are a lot of talented people out there, but how do you get them? How, how can you connect them to your culture, to your, to your company? Where do you find them? And I think it's as well important to, to show what you're doing and helping and this will attract as well people coming um, coming and want to know you as a person and want to know the company and the people standing behind the, behind the company. Actually, on that point, Laura, I mean, it's so funny because we talk about influencers and advocates and advocates are within your company, right? They're the ones that support you or they're your customers that are advocating for your company. Influencers are people who are, have thought leadership online. What I found really interesting is I was talking to a leader last week and he said, but I show my employees appreciation and just do it internally. And I said, well, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know what your culture is because I don't see it online. And he said, but why does that matter? And here's the analogy I gave him, which I, it actually made me laugh as well. I was like, well, let me put it to you this way. If you were an actor and you got an Oscar in a basement one-to-one -one with somebody, would that have the same impact as if you went on stage and received it in front of the entire audience of stakeholders in your business? It's of course it makes a difference, right? Being public and showcasing your leadership and your culture is table stakes now. You have to do it to attract the employees, like you said, right? It is, it's a big challenge right now to find good talent, right, Laura? It is, it is, or not, it depends a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it helps uh, being out there showing uh, you as persons and the company. Um, yeah, yeah, so we were already starting talking about social media, digital <laughs> events, digital networks. If we, if we connect the social media aspect with social leadership, what would you say is significant um, to virtual networks? And we already had platforms like LinkedIn, is this helping? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what, it really helped during the pandemic, right? I mean, that's, that's the key piece is that 
we were suddenly locked down. We couldn't talk to people in person and people's businesses stopped, right? I, I especially work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, freelancers, and they depend on in-person meetings for their next gig, right? It takes a long time. And so when that stopped, and we've talked about this before, I'm not, I would never was a LinkedIn expert. I just used it since it started because I was working in Canada and we used it to check out people and their CVs and see what they looked like before we went to meetings so we could find a way to connect with them. Again, back to, you know, connecting with people, we would find that personal element that was in common. So what happened when pandemic hit is I got a lot of requests from people saying, look, I've just been laid off. How do I use LinkedIn to find a job? How do I use LinkedIn to find a client? How do I use LinkedIn? So this is how I ended up working with the social media platform of LinkedIn. And as you know, it's a B2B platform. But what people forget is, yes, of course, it sucked to be virtual and not see people in person. But you know, the positive side of that was that suddenly I was able to reach out to a CEO in China or in the US from Munich because they were online. And when do we take the opportunity to reach out globally before, right? If we didn't need to. We just met people in the local town. We got a jobs from local people, right? Suddenly I was hosting think tanks with people from the States, from all over Europe, from you know United Arab Emirates, because I could, because they were all virtual. So I didn't have to worry about travel or hotels or finding a gap in their you know, calendar. Suddenly it was, it was so accessible. So you cannot ignore a platform like LinkedIn. I mean, a great example that I use is... Um, a friend of mine really didn't enjoy her work at that. This was years ago before the pandemic. Didn't enjoy her job that much and was thinking about changing, but didn't know what to change to. And we had a little bit of a session and she was super stressed. So she said, please don't give me too much to do because I don't have the time or capacity to do it. And so I said, okay, do this one thing, just one thing. You've been talking about loving animals and you've been talking about working with animals. Find one person who's doing what you're doing and just meet them for a coffee or, or book a coffee virtually with them. So she went on LinkedIn. Now animals, you would not naturally go, oh, I should go on LinkedIn and find somebody who works with animals. But actually she found somebody on LinkedIn. She dropped them a message, again, not asking for anything, just saying, I really love animals, love what you're doing, would like to have a chat. She ended up doing the entire program from this person for two years, right? Because she believed in what this person was doing so much, she ended up shifting and doing this. And now she works in a farm, in a veterinary clinic and is in the countryside and working at a farm in England. So it just goes to show it's a stepping stone. And if we ignore social media like LinkedIn, we're ignoring a vast amount of opportunity that's available there, right? Thank you for sharing this, um, this tip. I think it's super cool that like, it's a great idea to see like, I'm not, I'm not, happy where I'm right now it's perhaps a need, I want a new job but as well finding something finding somebody who is sharing something that you want to work on as well mm -hmm. and then as well you have this connecting isn't it so I, I like the idea to just start with one person and just connecting and see uh, where where will bring you the next exactly. the next years yeah cool and like you said the purpose led common values common beliefs those are the people you want to talk to right are yeah. they happy in sure. their job yeah <laughs> sure so um so what are you doing to take care of your personal network um you know it, <laughs> i had a bit of a challenge this last year because i realized and you know this laura you know me well i like to promote my networks right i like to put them at the center of the stage and make sure they're getting the attention they want uh, and need for their businesses and what i realized in the last year is that 
if I'm not doing that, then my platform to promote them is smaller. So if I'm not out there promoting myself on stage or sharing my thoughts and feelings, which is why we're doing this interview now, is then I don't have this greater reach for them. So my my feeling is that I really want people to um, support each other and connect online and for everybody to see that, as we said, don't do it in the basement, this is not gonna be helpful. And so I really like to promote the people I'm working with, liking and commenting on LinkedIn, supporting what they're doing through that platform, um, you know, really for all to see, because that's like a testimonial. The minute you like a post on LinkedIn for somebody, that's a testimonial that you, you like what they had to say, you believe in what they had to say. Commenting on it or sharing it is even better, right? So for me, cultivating with care my network means supporting and promoting them even through me being on stage, I was able to promote three people that I know who are doing great work through that um, speaking gig because that's, that was my platform. That was what I, and instead of doing it on stage, I can do it on LinkedIn too. So it's just about using all of your tools and resources to do what you can do best, which is empower everybody around you who does great work. Super cool. I love that you're saying supporting um, because sometimes I don't know if everybody out there listening to us like knows LinkedIn as the platform as it is. And perhaps it's like, okay, LinkedIn is this platform for jobs, getting jobs, looking at talents, or it's like something with sales. But as you just described it to us, and it's more than that. So it's just you can put value out there, you can you can share people you can share thoughts and and I like that how you're using it like supporting your network empowering your network coming together and as well promote um whatever you're standing behind perhaps your topics and yeah. um sounds That's great I saw an example actually oh gosh I'm gonna forget the company but the CEO kept on talking about her women in leadership piece right so she's got thousands of followers she got like thousands of likes for every single post she did because she's reaching the audience who cares about the same thing she cares about and that's important as a c-level as executives we have to be out there where our stakeholders are I, I one thing i i you know keep on saying to people is pr used to be a function within a business now you're the pr you are the brand you don't have a choice like it, it's transparent it's everywhere we don't have a choice right it's it's social media. You're there. It's just a matter of whether you are controlling the narrative or not. It's being talked about. You're being talked about. So either you be online and discuss it with them or they discuss it without you and control that entire narrative, right? Yeah. Super interesting. So <laughs> you, you told me, and, and I know already as well, that you're using LinkedIn a lot and as well uh, for, for promoting, for work, for sales. Has really all your work come through LinkedIn? Yes, actually this last three years, everything that I do has come through um, LinkedIn and, and my network, right? Wow. It's, it's, yeah, because it's not, it's funny because, you know, it's not even what I'm posting that's getting us there. It's just the fact they see my name in their feed. So whatever I'm posting, they don't even like my post sometimes. They just contact me by direct message and say, oh, I just saw this, reminded me, do you do this? Can you do this for me? And everything I've done has come from that. It is a B2B professional networking platform. If you're not there, then you're missing a core component of B2B decision makers, right? I think it's something like 40% are B2B decision makers. And so if you're not there, 
where you know are you doing sales the old-fashioned way picking up the telephone you know it's like the going uh simon senek says it in his start with why right the people who are still wishing that they could they would still buy rotary phones except they can't anymore that's the only reason they switched really you don't send your cv by fax anymore either right you send your no. linkedin profile or you send an email like you have to keep up with where your stakeholders are and this is where they are so yeah so if I'm a person and I'm not yet using LinkedIn as you're doing it, so where would I start? How can I create a decent network? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you're really great at this. So you clearly you're asking me for the audience, but um, <laughs> I don't connect with everyone, anyone. I want to have met them because I still use recommendations, but people can follow, right? And I think that what people forget is numbers was never the core of LinkedIn. It was never about having, you know, millions of followers. Yes, of course you can have followers, but it's really about finding your niche, your thousand true fans who want to buy what you do or want to work with you, want to collaborate with you, right? And people forget they actually have more network than they think they do. Like everyone's online. So you go to your old school, the alumni, like you said, they're all online. Your old companies, they're all online. Maybe you don't want to add your lawyer or your doctor, but you can add so many people and that you already have a good core network. I think it's really about refining that network and making sure that you're connecting authentically because I still like to promote people for jobs or connections or collaborations. And if I don't know you, I can't do that. So I try to keep it very focused on where I can help my network, yeah. Cool. Do you have any other tips you want to share with, with us? <laughs> I mean, I'd say it's just be there. I mean, I know we're going to run out of time. So uh, I would say it's just be there. That's where your stakeholders are. If you don't, then you're going to lose, um, you know, you're going to lose your audience and you have to be, you have to be present. But even if you don't have time to post, this is the challenge I have in my mastermind. Even if you don't have time to post, like, share and support and comment on the people in your network. That's already giving them access to your network because you've commented and you've liked, right? Supporting other people creates a network effect as well. So for me, as I said at the beginning, it's about empowering networks, right? It's not just about you. If you want work through there, then of course you should be posting or sharing articles. But if it is just about network effect of promoting your company, promoting your colleagues, you know, friends who are doing their own work or their own thought leadership, just be there, just be present, just do the minimum 10 minutes a day of liking some commenting and you're done. Like really, it doesn't have to be hard work. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a challenge. Just be online. <laughs> so for you, for me, and obviously for a lot of other people, this worked very well right now in the past years. What do you think, how, where will it develop in the future? Yeah, I mean, really, whether it's online or offline, we can't get away with trust. So as you, as we know, trust can be broken very fast. So it, it's one of these things that um, I always teach people how to communicate on online platforms it, so that they realize that even if LinkedIn isn't the current platform, they'll be able to do it further on their websites or the new platform that comes along. I mean, this is the thing, right? Is we are, you know, the old, old fuddy daddies that started on Facebook are really resistant to TikTok, but TikTok's the place to be right now because that's where even business leaders are going to get more following to their YouTube channels or their, you know, other, uh, their websites or their email um, newsletters. So predicting the future is more about, you know, the, the platform's going to change. It's, of course, it's going to change. There's new technology, there's new AI, platforms are always changing. 
But if you learn the crucial component of how to build trust with people, how to do that virtually as well as in person, and it's about being authentic, isn't it? I mean, you know that, Laura, we're very authentic with each other. It's about being authentic, be transparent. It's, it's a great example, I always say, is um, I'm going to use this one and then we, I know we have running out of time, but um, Nike is a great example. Alison Felix, as we all know, just came up in the news again lately. Nike told her to know her place and try to give her a 70% pay cut when she had her baby. And, you know, and this is not every leader at Nike. It doesn't mean Nike is a bad company, but they didn't rectify it, right? They weren't transparent about it. She left, she left Nike. She now holds, I think it's the record for the most decorated athlete, male or female in the world, 18 awards, right? And they didn't come out and say, sorry, that's not what we believe in. We didn't mean to tell you to know your place. Of course, we should change the way that we treat women and babies and mothers in our organization. If they had come out and they had said and addressed that issue, because she publicized it, right? Mm -hmm. If they had come out and said, that's one executive, that's not what we believe, we're really sorry, bah, 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 then they could have turned it into great PR, right? They could have apologized publicly, et cetera. I own the mistake but they didn't do that. And so instead she's got 750,000 followers on LinkedIn. People are listening to her. The CEO barely has 50,000, right? So who's controlling that narrative? That's exactly what we talked about. And that's where I say trust is really important. I mean, I'll give one quick other example is HSBC, the ATMs in England went down. They weren't giving out money. People were stuck without money. Imagine that if you're stuck in the middle of nowhere, don't have cash for a cab or something, right? But the CEO and the executives went online and said, we're so sorry, we're human, we made a mistake, we're fixing it. You increase your trust in the company because you're like, they get it, they understood, they apologized, right? That to me is just table stakes. Like, why wouldn't you do that, right? I admit mistakes all the time because I'm like, that actually makes you human. So if we do that, we're good to go. <laughs> Thank you for the very nice example here in the end and for all the insights you, you shared with me and us today. Um, really, we could go on for hours, I think. We could. <laughs> That's the next dialogue. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, like the final word and then, you know, I'll, I'll take back over and close it off if it's okay with you. Uh, the only final thing I would say is, you know, it's, it still is uh, not just what you know, it's who you know, but know them authentically, know them with respect and care and treat them as human beings. Don't just use people. Um, you may succeed by using others, but you burn a lot of bridges along the way. So don't do that. <laughs> I like to believe my network knows I would help them if, if I can. And I hope that you know that. So that's, that's what stays true to me is your re reputation. <laughs> So thank you so much for the interview, Laura. Any final thoughts from you before we close? Um, thank you so much as well. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, listening uh, to your experience and I'm, I'm really interested in what will come next, but I'm totally with you that um, always take the chance to use everything that's out there offline or online. Just look at the new technologies. Perhaps there, there will become big or not but just try to see which one is the perfect one for you how to where do you feel comfortable where do you want to be and I just see it as a, a nice opportunity to like create value and put it out there yeah, 
and empower the networks on every single platform. So that's the other thing, right? You're on a different platform than I am. I should be on that platform just to support you as your network colleague, right? Thank you so much for interviewing me. That was great. And I just want to reiterate, having five people who are willing to help you in your network is worth 10,000 connections who are not. So remember that numbers are not the game. This audio will be shared on Spotify. Video will be shared on YouTube. And thanks so much, Laura, for the interview. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Tinybox Academy. For more information, visit us at tinybox.academy.